This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an indo Askeliga. Time in mon iroti yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kieschen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Yatakshe talam griven arkar stan elistu halagus kimen fracht gara klixar dukeshen ekor. Nani vien aun tardarakshen. Schachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Forgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined, as always, via Zoom by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. William, hello. How do you do? Very good indeed, very good. Uh, You're back from holiday finally? Back from holiday, yeah. Well, no, I actually worked a few days down. So the second half of the week, I was actually working down there from, from home, actually. So it worked out. Uh, it was quite nice, actually, because... Uh, Serious surroundings down there, but uh, back to the the real world now, and um, yeah, it's a, a rude awakening, but back in. Um, I hope you, the weather's been reasonably good since I come back up, so I'm not something not feeling the pain too much. How's all with you? Yeah, no, good. Looking forward to uh, yet another Leinster Munster. I feel like we've just been Leinster Munstering the last couple of weeks. I just don't feel <laughs> yeah, like... I've had no choice. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is going to be the future when no teams can travel and just every week it's Leinster versus Munster. Eventually we might get tired of it, but not yet. Anyway, um, but just before we get into maybe that and talk about the match this weekend, we have an interesting guest on a bit later, Jerry Sexton, uh, Johnny Sexton's brother, obviously, who's had an interesting career in rugby. He's played in France and England uh, and in South Africa up until very recently. He was with the Southern Kings uh, who aren't you know, now participating in the Pro 14 anymore. So we're going to talk to him a bit about his time in rugby. You know, uh, I suppose being Johnny Sexton's brother and a whole host of uh, of other little bits. But uh, before we get to that, Luke, I guess, Leinster Munster this weekend, the semi-final, we have Ulster Edinburgh. You know, the weekend was an interesting one. And I guess I want to start with a team we haven't maybe discussed too much so far, but for me, they're one of the key storylines so far is the performances of Ulster, uh, you know, across the first mm. two weekends, in particular when Leinster make 15 changes. And then win fairly comfortably. I know Dan McFarlane was annoyed about that interception try that was ruled out, but like I thought, I, did, I thought that was definitely. Do you think that was definitely offside? By the way, I hate to cut you off in the middle of your big flow there, but I, I thought no, that was fine. definitely offside. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, it's a great, it's a good place to start with. I, I completely agree with you because I suppose I've been talking them up for quite a while. Uh, over the last two years, I feel like they've been building something really good. I think they've got the right coaches in there. Uh, I think they're really getting, they're building a nice player group there as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a bit baffled by it. You know, I think we've seen, 
you know, a few glimpses of what they're capable of, probably at the wrong times in the matches. Um, you know, particularly I thought they were good in the, you know, the last. Um, what would you say? I'd say they did an okay second half actually. I think against uh, against Leinster, just fell away at key moments. Um, you know, I thought. Um, that, and, and it was kind of stuff that's very controllable. There was a really poor penalty, and I'm. Well, Sam Carter was their captain, and he gave away a good few penalties to start. Yeah. Like, no, from your captain as well. Like I thought that was very disappointing for them. It, it was, but there was key moments as well. It was one in the second half before the um, the burn try, um, and I just felt like Lancer ended up kicking to the corner, and they just kind of pressured them for for another couple of, for another while, and they ended up kind of crashing over. Which actually, I thought the defense was quite poor from from Carter again on that one. To be honest with you, uh, you know, it was a very easy you know try for a ten to be scoring. Um, that close to the line, you have to at least put put a shot on them. Um, but there was just a few moments like that. I was thinking, geez, like they were just back in the game. There was a little bit of pressure. Leinster could have got a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit nervous, and they just gave away a silly pen- penalty in the middle of the pitch. There was absolutely no need. I remember Stephen Ferris kind of, um, you know, had had highlighted it as a really stupid penalty and saying, "Listen, I wonder will Ulster, uh, you know, regret that at a key moment?" And it was funny. He didn't mention it again, but I thought it was a really good point at the time. Because you know, obviously, a couple of minutes later, Lens were crashing over for the try, and that was the kind of game sealed. So, it, it, it's concerning. It is concerning that they, they, you know, they haven't really hit the ground running. I would say at the same time that lots of good teams, after two games, you know, after a six month layoff, don't play well and end up playing well for you yeah, know later on. I guess the, the dif- well. difference being in this occasion is that, like, a you look at around the other provinces, like you know, Lens are obviously. Are in a class of their own, but you know, even Munster have shown glimpses so far as well. Mm. Connacht did in week one too, and Ulster needed the ground running. Like they have a huge opportunity to potentially win a trophy here. You know, they're playing mm. Edinburgh in the semi-final in a behind closed doors game, and yet, you know, a team that had Stockdale, Jordy Murphy, could see John Cooney, like a whole host of McCluskey, a whole host of their frontliners. We're, we're beaten comprehensively by a, a Leinster second string as, as strong as they, that, that team might be. It, it's mm. still. It just does not bode well for that game this weekend. It will be a be a real pity because, as you said, there were so many positive signs, and I don't think it. I think it'd be a cop out to to just say, "Oh, it's been that long layoff," because there's other teams that have had that layoff too, and it hasn't really affected them quite as much. Uh, yeah, look, they'll be disappointed, and they definitely expressed that. I mean, Dan, Dan McFarland has been very clear on that one. So, look, I, I would say that they are missing a few key guys for them. I think Will Addison is really important to them. I feel like he's the little bit of X factor that kind of. And I just thought some of the decision making out wide at times uh, in the first half, I just felt like he's a guy they really miss. Um, they need him to get back, and they need to, to get that back sorted. Um, so, you know, he's a big loss. Obviously, Stockdale went off, which didn't help. But he actually, I thought he had a decent enough showing at fullback. Actually, I didn't think he was too bad there, to be honest with you, in a, in a team that was struggling. Um, and I do think, like, particularly in a few key positions, well, like at 10, like Ian Madigan's in there, and he's only just come in. So I, I see them getting better. Uh, they'll be disappointed with the start, but it is only two games. The problem for them is that they have to hit the ground running really quickly. That's the issue for them, and they haven't done that so far. So, um, and I would as well mention, you know, I, I did you know, the, the away form. They they need to do something about that. I mean, it's just it's just not good enough. Um, and going away to Edinburgh, it puts a lot of pressure on them. I think um, the only advantage is that in terms of a one-off match, which this is, you know, it's a good talking point to get people up for the game. It shouldn't be that. Um, you know, you'd like to have you know a reasonable away form to to rely on in a situation like this. So you say, listen, we've been in these tough situations away from home and we've done it before. They don't have that, but 
they have something that they can talk about and build themselves up for. So I wouldn't write them off at this stage, Will. Um, but they are under pressure, and, and I would like to see some more form out of them. And they have a trip to Toulouse to come as well in the Challenge Cup quarterfinal. So like, if, if it doesn't go well against Edinburgh, it's not as if they have a, a, an easy pick-me-up. That, that, that European campaign could be over pretty soon as well. And just looking at Leinster as well, I guess there's only so much you can say. For me, probably the most interesting thing was, you know, Kieran Frawley got man of the match. He's someone you've praised quite a bit recently. Interestingly, it was at number 12 where there's a bit of an opportunity there this season given that outside of Robbie Henshaw, with, with the injury to Conor O'Brien, who's going to be out for a while, they don't really have anyone to slot in there. Henshaw will be away with Ireland a lot. There'll be a lot of Pro 14 games to be played. It's a really good opportunity for Frawley. I know you like him at out half, but could, out, could inside centre be a place where he could really get some game time this year and really kick on? Yeah, well, I suppose they've got Conor O'Brien, haven't they? He, he's, uh, it's, it's Conor O'Brien, isn't it? It's the young but he's, guy in, as well. he's, he's an injury. No, no, I know he's got the injury, oh, yeah. but I'm just more thinking about next season oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and kind of opportunities for him. Um, yeah, so like, look, they have a few guys there. That, like, but I suppose the question he has to ask himself is, you know, does he does he want to be that guy that's that's in the team because the international is away, um, and that's fine, and he, he can do that if he wants. Does he feel like he has the potential to be starting? Um, hmm. um, you know, is he going to get opportunities? Like, I think Ross Byrne is a, is a super player. His younger brother looks like a very good player too. Um, you know, he's going to be sharing opportunities with those guys. Um, you know, for the foreseeable future at ten. Uh, the danger for me now is that he's got this man in the match at twelve, and his career now takes on the form of, you know, the utility back. The you know the like I, I know the feeling. I look at it myself. I said I should have just gone somewhere where I would have got an opportunity where probably I should have I would have slotted in better uh, and, and got a chance to really stick in a position for a longer period of time because you've got short windows to show your wares. And I'd be looking at that thinking, great for Leinster if he stays, and I want him to stay. I'd like. I think it's great for Leinster if he stays, but for his own career, has he really given it some thought? Uh, is is um, it that bad being the a utility back who's valued in a squad? A disaster for getting into the international team. Yeah, that's fair. It, it doesn't. Leinster is fine. You, you know, you, you can play wherever you, you know, wherever it fits in, and you'll, you know, they're, they're, if you look at how good the pack is, how young the pack is, like they're going to be a force for a long period of time. Whoever's playing in the back line there is going to get good ball, um, and it's going to be good fun to play there, and you're probably going to look good playing there, will right? The issue for him is, does he see himself in an international jersey? If he does, what position is that? Because that's a position he needs to play every week, and if if he doesn't think he's going to play in that position every week, so if he thinks he thinks at twelve, I rate Henshaw incredibly highly. I don't think he gets ahead of Henshaw if Henshaw's fit. I think he's one of our only world class players uh, when he's fully fit. So um, to me, he's look. It's great for Leinster, but he's. Got, I feel like he's got some thinking to do about his own game, and he'd be delighted after the weekend. And rightly so, he looked like a really polished player, but. I haven't just been talking about him in the recent times. I've been talking about him for about two years, Will. I think he's a really, really nice-looking footballer. I think he's got, got it all. I think he's got a nice playmaking head on his shoulders. He looks calm. He's a good tackler, which I always like, because I think you're going to need that when you get to the higher levels. Um, he's a good runner. and I think his kicking, like I think that's the area where I, I see you know growth for him. He, needs to, he, he can get better there if he wants to be an international player. But... Um, look, the signs for Leinster are brilliant. He just needs to have a think about his career in, in those terms, I think, because I see him as an international or has the potential to be a top-class international, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's very, it'll be very interesting to see. I personally think he will get a lot of game time at inside centre this year, just because you mentioned the two out-halves, Byrne and 
the other Byrne, who will probably be fighting for that uh, second uh, slot whenever Johnny Sexton is away. Just on some of the guys who could be returning this weekend, you have Dan Levy, Tyke Furlong, and James Ryan. Like, would you be tempted to pitch any of them in? Like, I know they haven't played this year. Like, Leinster have such depth in that packet. They don't really need to rush anybody back. I'd be very surprised, certainly, if Dan Levy featured. Maybe they might bring in James Ryan. But I, 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 what do you think on that one? I don't know. Like, I think... We just don't, we have incomplete information when we're trying to make this decision, don't we really? Because uh, if there's any kind of risk, you're kind of saying to yourself, what's the point? Like, really, is, is it worth it? Um, you know, do Leinster, do we have enough uh, if we play well, if we, if we deliver on our plan to, to beat uh, Munster? And, you know, I would say that it'd be great to have them back, but if there's any risk, I, I probably wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go ahead and, and risk them in that case. I think... They'd be tempted possibly with that, uh, you know, quarterfinal coming up as well. That'll be in the back of their mind. They might say, listen, the more games they have before that, the better prepared they will be. But this is going to be a war. This is going to be an absolute war. And, um, you know, you'd want to be fully fit if you're going into the pack in this one. Because if you're not, um, you know, it's no place for the faint-hearted in there. So, uh, again, Will, it, the, 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 the physios will know best. The coaches should make the right decision for the players. Because, really, these are key guys for Leinster for a very long period of time. So, um, I'm sure they'll do that and they have loads of, loads of guys who are putting their hands up and who need game time as well so um, it'd be no harm giving them an extra week if they're not fully right and what about that Munster Connacht game a bizarre first half you know you had what, tw- <laughs> I, just, I wrote it down here Frank Murphy in the first half gave 21 penalties three yellow cards and there were two red cards obviously as well um, what, what did you yeah what did you make of that whole spectacle it was, it was a very unusual first half and a game in general yeah I wasn't um Hard to know what to make of the game afterwards, really, to be honest. I thought Munster got off to a good start. Uh, Connacht didn't really have much to play for, Will, did they? So um, that always gonna, was always going to make it a little bit difficult for them, I think, to really compete. Um, you know, I thought Munster's scrum looked good. Obviously, that uh, that push-over try, they looked they look strong, they looked cohesive. Um, but, you know, I suppose the game was a bit of a mess. I thought both teams were very ill-disciplined and a bit loose, particularly, I thought... Not bad for Delahunt. I've seen that one lots of times, but it was still definitely a red, I think, uh, based on the rules of the game, even though I did feel bad, bad for him. I think Papa Ely, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but... Gave it he, a good go. Uh, yeah, I sure, look, we'll have a shot. And mm. uh, that one, I think, was... It was still a red, but I've, I can, I've seen those ones kind of slip up before and they give a yellow. I just felt they were both the right decisions. I really felt for Frank because... Um, I liked the defense. Some of the some of the stuff, like I mean, I think the defending on the line, um, you know, with O'Mahony and Byrne at the end of the first half. To my mind, that's how referees probably should be refereeing that part of the game. It, you should be punished, um, you know, if uh, if you're kind of defending for that long on the line, you're giving away penalties. Um, so I like that part of it. But the rest of it, I just it's hard to know where how 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 it got to that point. I suppose. I, I, like I think it looked like if you look at the like he's there's. There's four yellows and there's um, uh, there's two two red cards. Like it's not like he wasn't being firm on people, uh, and he was giving away the penalties. So uh, I don't know. It, maybe it's it's just both teams being a little bit loose, and they were probably like I don't think you can all put it all down to Frank. Is is probably what I'm getting at. Um, and I think it looks like the two really key, key decisions, which were the red cards, there was nothing really contentious in them to my mind. I thought he he was good and strong, took his time on them, and gave the right result. Unfortunately for Connacht on both occasions, but. Um, as far as that goes, that's all I really have to say on that one, Will. I thought it ruined the game as a spectacle afterwards. It was just so loose and really difficult to get an idea of, um, you know, where Munster were at. You know, look, you, you can only play what's in front of you. But, you know, for 
30 minutes of the game, it was 15 on 13. And if you can't take advantage of a team at 15 on 13, and you kind of saw that with the chip in behind for Conway's try, you know, teams have to defend a little bit, you know, up, but they're going to be guys out of position. You know, whenever Munster made a break, they pretty much scored off. You saw that from the tight burn try. So hard to get a real sense of, of where they're at. Will they'll, they'll have some confidence from it. You know, they'll be able to play with a little bit of ball uh, with Connacht down numbers. Um, but is it a real gauge of where they're at? I'd say Munster would think the same as I do that. It was hard to gauge that. Yeah, now a five day have a five day turnaround for that one on Friday night. Uh for the third year in a row, they play Leinster in the Pro 14 semi-final. Will it be any different to the previous two uh semi-finals? Do you think? Is there anything you're expecting to see? Is there anything they can bring differently? It doesn't have there's not much time to implement anything new anyway. Uh are you expecting mm-hmm. it to be the same thing again, but just Munster trying to do it better than they have the previous two occasions? Yeah, look, look I think Ty Birmingham back is, is big for them as well. Yeah, like, he looks really good at the weekend. Yeah, he did. He looked really fit, didn't he? I think Dale Ander will, will get better and better. I think JJ Hanrahan looks like he's settling into the position well. So there's a few things there that, because um, sorry, the reason I mentioned Hanrahan, because I think he's maybe a little bit of a confidence player. Uh, and I think the more games he plays, I think, you know, the more he'll settle in there. And I thought he actually was good on the weekend, despite, as I said again, what he was playing in front of. Um, yeah, look, I think it'll still be a tight one. I really believe that. I think these games are, are ne- they're never. They're always very hard fought. I think the key thing for Munster is whether they can get any kind of stranglehold on Leinster. Um, you know, can they put pressure on them with the kicking game? Can they vary it up? Does everything have to come through Conor Murray? I don't think it should, but I think it has. I think that's something that they should think about. You can vary it up through through some of your guys who are good kickers. Uh, can they get Earls and Conway into the game more? Uh, I saw loads of Farrell. I saw loads of Deolande. I thought they looked really good against Leinster, but the other guys, they, they need them in the game as much as possible because uh, I feel like the biggest thing for Munster is that they still have that kind of battering ram kind of approach where there's not they're not too creative, uh, I think, from, from nine to the four pack. Um, and I feel like sometimes they're not going into the right spaces with that and they're not shortening up the Leinster defensive line to give them real opportunities out wide. And they show they can deliver if they have, if the guys on, on the outside have space. You know, they will punish teams. So, Keaters was uh, very sharp, I th- I've thought. Of the really sharp. Really One of those players really who sharp. had a long lockdown period could, like, you know, someone, I think he's 33, maybe, 32, 33. Like, the next five, six months could could be really good for someone like that. Oh, I think so. He, I mean, that, that chase back was brilliant, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. He's had a yeah. few of them now at this stage. Um, and himself and Conway, I think, look really, really sharp. And if they can just get those guys into the game... Um, and they need to figure And I think, look, as well, I say that and I say, I, I feel like I'm putting the onus onto Munster, but I'm actually putting the onus onto those guys. I think they need to be in the game as much as possible. Um, they're just causing trouble for teams. They're just so quick. They're good on, you know, they're, they're getting themselves in good positions. You know, I thought that the chip behind was nice for Conway's try. They're the thing. You need to get Keith Earls and, and, and Conway into the game that way because the two guys in the centre will give you go forward ball. They just definitely will do that. The pack, if they can be a little bit more creative, if they can be a bit more adventurous in the tight exchanges, I just feel like if they can get if they can get those guys into the game, they'll punish teams and they could punish Leinster um, if they do those things well. So just, uh, just that's kind of what I'm watching for to see if there's any growth in the game there. It's, again, it's only the third games. I feel bad kind of putting pressure on the team, but look, it's it's a semi final and they need to deliver on something now. Yeah, it's funny how like it's. We're kind of simultaneously approaching it at the third game of the season, and yet it's also like a, a it's huge all on the game. Line. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge match for Munster as well, considering they don't have Europe uh, to play for either. The, look, they, they that's the thing that maybe might go in their favour is the desperation factor. They need something like Munster really needs something. Um, you know, it's a, you know if it's not this time around next year, it just becomes a huge one for them because. 
I just feel like they've been knocking on the edge for too long. They've, there's too many good players there to not have been in a final or to have not won something. I know this. I know they were in the final against yeah. um, Scarlets, but they need to win something. They're too good not to. Um, and it'd be a shame for all these guys who've gone through a huge portion of their career and not having won a trophy. You know, well, like, yeah, it's someone just, like Peter O'Mahony, like to have never won a yeah, trophy with Munster would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are you? So what are your predictions then for the two semi-finals? I actually go with Ulster and Ulster win. Mm. I'd go with an Ulster win. Um, I feel like it's kind of working in there. Like it, it's right. I, I will say they need Stockdale back from that. Um, well, Stockdale just, and um, Jordy Murphy are both doubts. So I'm less and concerned. Stuart McCluskey, sorry, sorry there's a three of our best players are all injury doubts. The, the banger bulldozer is, is, <laughs> has got an injury. Is he? Um, okay, well, I didn't know that. Well, that's can I can I change my original statement? <laughs> yeah. <I'm allowed. laughs> um, well, okay. If those guys are back, I think they they win the game. And I'm more, I'm, I'm kind of more saying that in terms of Stockdale and Jordy. I think the pack is actually in a better position uh, than the backs without those guys. So I think if Stockdale and and uh, the Bulldozer are back, uh, who's been, who's playing brilliantly, by the way. Uh, we didn't really mention McCluskey. He's playing some serious rugby at the moment and has been for quite a while. If those guys are back, I think Ulster. If they're not, I think Edinburgh will have too much for them at home. And I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Leinster in a tight one. And I know I sound like... Thought you were going I, to go Munster there. I, the way was, I, I just think it's going to be really tight. I just feel like it's desperation times for them. If they can't build up for this game and, and, and make this even a tight affair, I'd be very surprised. So, um, yeah, I think Leinster in a tight one. I'm going to say tight, yeah. Mm. Well, it's set up what do you, to be... What do, you th- what do you think, Will, before we go? I'd actually like to hear what you think. Yeah, I, I think Leinster, I, I think Leinster as well. Tight, yeah. I think it'll be a similar enough game to the one two weeks ago. I, I just mm. think Leinster are too much for them. I just think that they have the bench they can bring on. Like we were saying, there's three, there's three possible lines guys there they could potentially bring back. They don't even have to really bring them back, given how strongly uh, guys are performing in the pack as well. So yeah. I just think they'll have too much. Ulster, yeah, I, I, I just don't see them. I after, after across the first two weeks, they just haven't played well, and I. I these guys, I don't know how many of them are actually going to be fit to play. Like yourself, if those three guys are fit and they play, they might have enough. Given yeah. that there's no fans going to be there, but oh, like I, I think in particular John Cooney in the first two weeks is a bit, bit a bit flat, and he's the guy when he's going well. The guys feed off him on that Ulster team. He's looked a bit flat the first two weeks, so I think he needs a big performance. If he delivers, I think they'll, they'll they could win. I think they will win, but mm, I don't know. He's become such a big player for them, hasn't he? Like it's yeah. it's, it's been so impressive how how integral he's become in such a short period of time. I, I do you know what I like? I like Kutsia. I like um, I I really like McCluskey, and I think the bit of X like they miss Balakun a little bit for for a little bit of, of stuff. You know, just an X factor out wide. Um, so that I mean, I think there's even more pressure on Stockdale then to you know to to lead them out wide in, in terms of you know getting a few tries. So. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a really interesting game. I really hope they, they can build up. I'd love to see an, an Ulster kind of, uh, like, I'd love to see Irish provinces in the final because I still think they're all the best teams. Well, like, you're in a situation where Munster are getting a lot of grief and a lot of pressure put on them for not having won a trophy since 2011. And to be fair, Munster have a, a more illustrious history than Ulster. But Ulster haven't won a trophy since 2007. They've agreed, they're playing Edinburgh. They're not playing Leinster. Like, let's be frank. Like, Leinster are a far more difficult proposition. Like this should be a huge opportunity for us. Like they should be really targeting this game 
as a chance to get back into a final and potentially win a trophy. I feel like because they were so flat the last two weeks, people are all, they're going in under the radar. Which, but like in reality, they, the pressure should be on them as much as it is on Munster. I think because this is a really winnable game on paper. It's just whether they get the form line together in time and whether these key men are fit. But like when you're looking at the cold out of the day, this should be a game that they should really have a good chance of winning, given you know the way they've been playing over the last you know eighteen months or so. Yeah, like it'd be a really disappointing way for them to finish. I think Colwood hasn't been kind to them really in that respect. I thought they were kind of trucking along okay, um, and they'd had a bit of momentum. And, and as I said, I really like the coaching staff. I like everything that's going on in Ulster at the moment. But but bar the bar the the product that they're producing the pitch since they've come back. But I, I think what I would say is, you know, you know, the, the Madigan factor, I think, is, you know, he, he's, he's a great kicker on the big stage. And I do think that he's only had, like, he was on the bench for the first week and he's, you know, played the second week. That, he, you know, if, if the more time he has, the, the more he'll settle in there and the more he can have a big impact. Um, so that's something maybe to watch to see if you get big improvement because he's more comfortable with the system the longer he's had in there. So. I'm watching that one pretty closely as well. And if you have someone like him, if they can keep their discipline good, like Edinburgh will give away penalties. They're, just, they're kind of loose on that. I, always ex- happens. I expect Billy Burns to start this weekend, though. Do you, do you think Billy Burns will start? Yeah, well, then, look, if it's Billy Burns, then I think, that, you know, I suppose the same responsibility rests on his shoulders, you know, that he... Yeah. And, and the one thing I would say is maybe the thinking might be in the long, the, the same lines whereby they say, well, look, Billy's just more familiar with the setup. Um, but look, let's wait and see on that one. Um, and if, look, I'd love to see them get a result over there because I think they they need something to give them to get, just even to confirm that you're going in the right direction. Sometimes even to be in a final can be you know saying this we're, we're pretty close, guys. Well, um, especially after playing in the semi final last year and losing, you know, conceding fifty points to Glasgow and not really giving an account of yourself. If, you, if they got to the same setup again or same stage again this year mm. and and you know didn't really fire a shot again, it would just be very disappointing because as you say. You know, they have been going in the right direction. Dan McFarland's done a good job. They've recruited well. Like, this is what they got these good players in for, for matches like this. And they've had the benefit of they don't have to play Leinster like Munster have the last three years. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting one to watch. Likewise, the Leinster-Munster game. Uh, and we'll cover all that next week. But for now, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Jerry Sexton. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, no problems. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it's been an interesting time, I guess, in rugby in general over the COVID period. And, and I suppose for you in particular, you've had a, a fairly uh, up and down uh, period yourself. I know you were playing uh, in Port Elizabeth with the Southern Kings this season. Very interesting experience going over to South Africa. But now, I guess, with the Kings pulling out of the Pro 14, I'm sure it's very uncertain to you. Like, what, What's your kind of current status? Um, we actually we don't know much, to be honest, which, is, uh, which sounds weird. Um, we had a meeting last week. The boys are actually training for the last month or six weeks in South Africa with the Kings. And then the new Eastern Province rugby, the minority shareholders, had a meeting with us and they said they're going to pull us out of the Curry Cup effectively, which would have involved playing the Cheetahs home and away, which would have accounted as a Pro 14. So they pulled us out because um, financially it wouldn't have made sense. So our Pro 14 TV rights had already been done. And for us to play, it would have cost the union more money than we would have made. And with COVID, if one of the players got it, they said it just wasn't worth the risk. Otherwise, they would have had to liquidate the company. So they said the new budgets by South Africa are done in January, and they hope to be able to get the team back up and running then. But uh, it's obviously an uncertain time with COVID and everything. Yeah, and I guess like for your for your own, I guess, situation, going over there was a bit of a gamble. It was an exciting one like now are you, are you kind of with, with with all the coverage stuff up in the air like would you be more inclined to to, to leave it and not go back over or are you or are you keeping your options open 
No, I think uh, me and me and my partner really enjoyed our time over there. We made some really good friends um, outside, inside and outside of rugby. Um, there's a big, uh, or Nua have a base over there, a headquarters, um, which is obviously Dublin Footwear and Irish Company. So we met a couple of Irish people. They had a couple of kids the same age as our daughter. And it was nice. We, we had a good life and it's a beautiful country. So I'd, I'd happily move back down if we had the opportunity. But again, I wouldn't uh, say I'm 100% committed to going back. Yeah, like what was the COVID period like as a professional rugby player for you? You know, I know it's been different for, for probably for most teams, but for, for you, like I presume you left South Africa, you know, pretty early in the process. You probably would have been stuck there for, for a while otherwise. Like, so what have you been doing? Were, were you still training over the last couple of months or how did that go? Yeah, actually, in fairness, because um, we were geared up to obviously play the Cheetahs last weekend. Um, so Robbie Kempson and uh, conditioning coach Nadis, they were on us. Then we had a Zoom call most weeks. And then obviously, everyone knows the app Strava um, or your Apple Watch. Uh, a lot of boys get the Apple Watch and you have to run Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You obviously have to get the kilometers in and it sends you a session. You have to send them all the data across through your watch. And that's a good way of keeping track of us. And then obviously gym sessions, if we could, if uh, the gyms are open. Luckily in Jersey, they're only closed for four or five weeks. How did you find the experience out there, um, Jerry? Just in terms of, I suppose you come from a few places that are maybe are pretty renowned for being, you know, um, you know, very high quality in terms of the professionalism, uh, and probably the one that highlights. Well, I'm thinking London Irish, but I'm thinking Exeter as well. Have you? Did you find a big difference going out there uh, over the couple of weeks that you were there? Um, yeah. So, like, obviously. Um, when we were there, like no, like to be honest, no one likes losing every week. And um, you just notice, like especially when I was at Exeter, the culture Rob Baxter creates in that club is uh, second to none. I've, I presume, is similar to Leinster or uh, whatever other Saracens, whatever club is at the very top, top level of the game. And um, when you went over, that's one of the things we probably uh, struggled with was uh, the team culture. Um, but uh, it's, it's actually very difficult and I think you'll only really understand it if you move out there and to try and get four groups of people who have completely different beliefs um, different ways of getting brought up is actually quite a difficult task and for being an outsider you can really see how uh, some teams would struggle and in terms of you coming over there then as probably one of the only foreign players like how did you find that you know in trying to integrate with you know the, the South African culture um, like so like with the Afrikaans boys the 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 Dutch people, um, the big old school South Africans, they would have been, uh, they, they like to speak their own language. Um, and as a foreigner, I found it quite difficult sometimes to really get along. Like I did get along with them. They're very uh, religious people. They're nice. We talk to them. But for instance, they would just speak their own language, even if I was at the table and even if another boy was at the table who only spoke English, which obviously would make it quite uh, difficult to fully connect with them. Um, but again, what I did, I really enjoyed the time out there. And uh, like I did make some really good friends who I so I could talk to uh, most days here. Yeah, like it's an interesting place. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose I was lucky enough to head out there in 2009. I completely get what you're saying about, like, it's such a, uh, like, it's a bit like, not in the same way, not not to the same extent, but it's a bit like America. Like, there's a real mismatch of all these kind of different people having to come together. And obviously there's huge challenges with that, but to my mind, most of the South Africans that I've played with were always really enjoyable once you got to know them. Um, and it was really interesting to hear all the different viewpoints and all the different ways they kind of grew up. And I suppose, is that something that 
Is that something that maybe drew you to the place? Is that something that you think, do you know what, I, I there's some, obviously some challenges at the start, maybe with the language barriers, et cetera. But, um, you know, if the club does manage to survive, is, is that, would that something, is that something you kind of say to yourself, geez, I don't go and experience that. Like you kind of went and experienced the thing in France and all that, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did, how long? I was out there for nine, nine months in total. And, um, Tonight, like I, I, I was excited to spend the three years out there to really, really get to uh, to know everyone properly. Because, like you said at the start, um, when people get to know you, of course, uh, you build better friendships with them. And again, like being on tour with some of the boys for three weeks, you have some great times. Obviously, it's difficult because tensions. Everyone's competitive, and everyone in the squad wanted to win. So if you're losing by fifty points one week, and then maybe coming close the next week, it doesn't really explain why it's happening so there was a couple of uh, arguments and tensions but that's just to be expected yeah as you mentioned there like when you're looking in from the outside and look at the results you know you'd imagine it might be a difficult place you know to be playing because obviously as you said people want to win every week and especially you know this part of the world you're looking at your Leinsters your Munsters who are putting in those results most weekends like how did you find that part of it obviously it was such a great opportunity but then when the results aren't aren't going your way you know, how, how tough is it to, you know, go in day after day when you're not seeing that payoff? Uh, yeah, I think, like, uh, if you look at the start of the season, uh, we narrowly lost to Cardiff. We put up a decent performance against Munster uh, there the first two weeks. We had a good performance against Treviso and beat Osprey. So there was actually some encouraging signs the first couple of weeks. Uh, we had a lot of young players. And then we went and came to Connacht and we did well against a full-strength Connacht team. And there was a bit of a confidence about the place that we could turn the corner. Slice the brain came in, uh, who's uh, well, well highly thought of in South Africa. Coach the Springboks, coach Alliance, so a couple of Super Rugby finals, um, and then we turned, went to Christmas, and we got battered by Edinburgh. We had a man sent off, and then uh, we lost to the Cheetahs in the last kick, of the, uh, last play of the game. That really killed us, and we didn't, we never actually recovered from that game. We were thirteen points up with seven minutes to play, and they came back and beat us, and. That was a game that really killed the team. I think after that, it went really downhill. And I think uh, the spirit of the team was really affected. So when you go to those kind of periods, like um, where there's, you know, it's obviously challenging to get up for a week in, week out. Like, you know, I've, never, I've been really lucky. Maybe at the start of when I was in, in, in Leinster, maybe I've kind of experienced a little bit of that. But I've been really lucky other than that, to be honest with you. Where do you go for that? Do you are you kind of similar to your brother, where you're kind of very into your goal setting, and you, that kind of helps you keep focused and, and focus on the next task? Um, or, or what do you do? Do you, is there someone you talk to about that kind of stuff? Um, no, like I was uh, this season, I was in charge of uh, the lineouts in, in a way, so I could I could actually concentrate a lot on making sure the lineouts was working well for the team. Uh, I think we had one of the best lineouts in the Pro 14 statistically. Um, so I think that that helped me a lot in terms of like I know every week Robbie Pemson anyway puts his faith in me to do the menu every week to study the opposition to make sure our defence was on point uh, in line out on our attack. So the attack coach would obviously give me the attack he wanted to run and give me the menu. So then I'd put the operation of the line out in around that attack. So I think that would calm me a lot in terms of I was busy and I knew I wouldn't get overly frustrated. But then of course when you look at the actual results of the games, it's very hard to stay positive. But Luckily, I think um, I had that to fall back on. Like you said, mm-hmm. goal setting. Or my goal was most weeks was just make sure the line out and my defence was good. My defence around the pitch was good. And then obviously, I, I couldn't really worry too much about other boys' jobs. Otherwise, it might affect parts of my game. 
Yeah, I guess, Jerry, this season was a bit of a milestone. I think it was your 10th season as a professional, you know, going back to, you know, three seasons in France with Aug, two with Exeter, two at London Irish, two at Jersey, and one in South Africa. Like, that's a long time to be on the road. Like, is it? have you kind of re- reflected on that? Like, you know, a decade in professional rugby? That's longer than Luke, Luke I think. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's not hard in fairness. <laughs> no, I think, I don't know who did my, uh, I'm not sure if you can edit this out, I'm not sure who did my Wikipedia page. Uh, I did. I did one only one year in France. So I think I'm in year seven. Okay. Yeah. No, leave yeah. it. I don't care. No. I'm on Wikipedia. No wonder no one pays them those donation fees. Like Gavin, I'm telling you now, keep that in. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Does not. Mm. So often Will gets a stat wrong. That's yeah. great. I deserve. It. I deserve. <laughs> I deserve to be looking like a tit that would be fair. I, I thought. Well, I thought you'd know because I'm. I'm a year younger than you in school, so I thought you would have been doing the maths and like it couldn't be ten years. Actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, that would have been very quick to <laughs> straight out to France. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay, so eight years. Not as much of a milestone, but have you done any reflecting on it, Jerry? <laughs> um, I, I, I think over coronavirus now, I'm coming up to, I'm 27, I'm thinking, it's just gone so quickly. I don't know, like, um, I think I think I regret a little bit when I was younger. I didn't, I didn't take it. I didn't take my training as seriously as I probably should have. Um, when I was in a day Fagan every morning at seven, which was obviously a great opportunity for a young lad to make it and with the Irish twenties. I probably if I just tried a little bit harder, maybe it would have uh, something different might have happened. But again, like I wouldn't I wouldn't regret the career I've had as enjoyed it. So I, I was never going to be an international. So getting to play for like Exeter and women Irish and big teams and have meet different people has been like a great experience in my life. And did you ever feel like I you know, because I obviously have a brother as well. Um, and we've never discussed it or anything like that. But I mean, do you ever feel kind of a bit of pressure? You know, particularly when you were younger, and Johnny was obviously, you know, he would have got into the team probably around, um, probably into the team really in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, really. Um, so you would have still been, you know, in school. Do you ever find it a bit daunting, kind of like you know, because everyone at the match is probably saying, "Oh, there's Johnny's brother," and like that. Do you ever was that ever a struggle for you? Uh, no, I think I think I've, uh, I think actually I've been asked this question I think a couple of times. And luckily, um, I think my position really helps. Um, if I, I think if I played in the backs ten or twelve, I think mm. maybe then it would have been a bit daunting, and I would have said that uh, like it would have probably bared down on me a bit. But playing second row, or sometimes I I went into the back row a little bit. I think so. No, no one cares about the front five anyway. You're, you're, yeah. you're completely right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I think <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot easier to go on by without being compared. Um, I think if you look at uh, some of the people coming up through Leinster now, like uh, the two Burns and stuff like that, would be quite interesting to see how that pans out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think there's loads of brothers, and look at the Carney brothers, um, you know, those kind of guys. Like it is, I always wondered about that, uh, you know, with Dave, who's obviously gone on to have a, a super career as well. But I wondered really, was, is it kind of daunting to, to kind of head in and say, geez, because everyone's watching. And they see Rob and they're thinking, are they expecting the same thing? Are they expecting better things or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think the, the position really helped me. And uh, mm. it's, a, it's nearly a completely different game from what I played for Jonathan. He, uh, he'd have a lot of pressure on him and uh, gets a lot of stick for it. Well, the second row doesn't really get much, uh, unless, you're, unless you're one of the new stars, I don't think you really get much attention, which is quite nice. And has he been someone that you've kind of leaned on, obviously, throughout your career? You know, you couldn't probably have a much better person to be able to pick the brain of than, than him. Do you, do you go to him often with, with rugby things to, to pick his brain on? 
Yeah, I think we talked quite a lot about uh, career moves for me if uh, he felt it was a good option or like what he felt uh, what, what he thought would help me maybe. Um, actually, my boat brothers, Mark, has been very good as well. He, uh, he's coaching the under-19s now, uh, Lancer under-19s, he's coaching Mary's. Like, I talked to him quite a lot and talked to my brother Jonathan just about different moves or what would maybe benefit me. Um, but like, yeah, like I think it would be just like any other relationship like, Jonathan will get a lot of detail from rugby, and um, so it's good to talk to him about what he feels like. Especially when Joe Schmidt was their coach and stuff, he's always very interesting to, to hear about him. And I guess Johnny's known for kind of not holding back when he wants to criticize someone on the rugby pitch. Like when you come to him for advice, would he do the same for you? Like would he give you both barrels if he felt you needed it, or would he be a bit more armor on the shoulder? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I would never ask him to. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, he gets angry with his teammates if he expects a bit more from them. But the fact that we've never shared the same pitch, I think, would help that. But I'm sure if, if we ever shared the pitch together, I think he'd give. I don't think he gives anyone special treatment. I think if you're in his line of bollocking, you're getting bollocked. Nah, he, treats, he treats everyone like shit. You're right, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is it funny when you kind of hear that perception of him? Because obviously you would know him in a much different relationship, obviously, as a brother. Is it funny or unusual to hear that kind of picture painted or hear him talked about in those terms as a player when you kind of know the real person? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, if you ever, if he ever tells a story, like, if you ever hear him speak or any of us speak that like when we were younger we used to kick the shit out of each other he used to be uh he used to play rugby in the sitting room on your knees and there used, there used to be fighting me and my brother mark used to fight all the time jonathan would fight with like he'd play football like it was just a very competitive household and it's, it still would be nowadays if we ever got back together and like we played golf or like if i was playing, I played golf with my old man last week and uh, i didn't even like losing to him <laughs> And talk to me a little bit about uh, about Mark because Mark's had a, had a kind of an interesting career. Obviously, had that really bad leg break and the subsequent kind of issues around that, um, which probably curtailed any chance he had really of maybe progressing along because it was such a bad injury. Uh, he's obviously headed into kind of the the physical therapy side, and he's obviously heading into the coaching side now. So that's it's interesting that all you guys seem to have ended up in rugby or still remain very connected to the game, uh, which doesn't always happen. Really, the older you get, so. Um, as you said, I found it really interesting to hear you kind of you went to both for advice in, in different parts of your career. Uh, yeah, Mark's uh, very knowledgeable when it comes to rugby. Uh, he watches a lot of games. Uh, I think so. Do I would watch a lot of games as well. We'd probably watch a lot of the similar games. Mm. Um, he was very interested in how Exeter would play. Like we watch Exeter, he'd ask me a lot about how they play, and um, he's now he's he's done a pretty good job in coaching. He got mm-hmm. Mount St. Mary's to their first junior cup final in, I think, probably 30 years. And he's now coaching the senior team. Uh, he's coaching the Leinster 19s. I think he's done a good job there. So I think, um, I'm not sure if he wants to coach, but he it's a, definitely a passion of his at the moment or a hobby to do outside of work, which um, which I think everyone needs. Yeah, you mentioned extra there. It'd just be interesting to get your thoughts a little more in depth on how you found that setup in general. Obviously, they've been so consistent. Obviously, Saracens have been very difficult to beat, but with the salary cap stuff that's happened now, you know, it probably puts extra's achievements in an even greater light. And Rob Baxter is a very interesting person as well. Like, what what does he bring that's made the team so successful in your dealings with them or your time when you were in the setup? Um, he just made it like it's just such a good place to go. Like, I wasn't. My first year, I played a little bit LV Cup, and I made uh, my Premiership debut there. So it was, 
I was like 21, but like, even if I wasn't playing, he made it such an enjoyable place to be. Um, like for instance, last year they played Leinster in the Champions Cup over Christmas, and he, they flew the whole squad to Dublin for a Christmas party. And he brings the boys away every preseason for four days to like um, Magaluf or Ibiza and that's some basic. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, him and the coaching staff go with them. Um, they go and just have basically they just go to get to know each other. So all the new signings, everyone, everyone's away from wives and kids. Four days, you get like a wristband, free drink, and he just thinks that's the best way to start the preseason. It makes it actually works very well, and I think um, the culture in that place is unbelievable. Um, you'd see it. Little things, I think, like Jim Hamilton and Andy Gude have touched on their initiations before, which are probably a bit extreme, but it definitely is a good good place to be. Well, if Jim Hamilton and Andy Gude are giving it the uh, the all clear, yeah, <laughs> probably it's fairly extreme to be fair. Uh, you know, and just, is there anyone else across the last you know couple of years or your time in pro rugby who stood out to you? Like Rob Baxter has a, a player you played with or another coach that you thought just really had a good head on their shoulders or had a really good idea about how best to prepare in pro rugby. Um. I met a lot of good characters uh, along the way. Like um, Brendan Venter was an interesting guy when I met in London Irish. I really enjoyed him. He was uh, people say he's a bit crazy, which he definitely is, but crazy in a good way. Um, he had better, he held the room like when he spoke, everyone listened, and that was like the way he was. And uh, he got the best out of the players there. Um, and then obviously going to Jersey, uh, the forwards coach there I had a great relationship with him, Neil Connor's his name. Um, he gave a lot of trust in me to uh, do the lineouts, and that actually worked out for me to give me a lot of confidence in that I was good enough to do that job, which obviously helped me when I went to the King. So they'd be two two people probably who helped me in rugby the most. And then playing wise, uh, like Luke Houndicky, he was he was very like he was an maniac when I came to training and playing, and someone you definitely who I grew up with in Exeter for the two years. He was uh, someone who definitely look you'd look up to. Yeah, and in terms of the next period now when you're kind of assessing what you might do or where you might go, like, do you still have the appetite to go on in, in rugby or are you thinking of maybe life after the game? Like, is there anything you're looking at in terms of what you might do when you eventually do finish up? Uh, the sexes don't retire, man. <laughs> yeah. You enjoyed that one. I'd say you've been giving a bit of a stick, have you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Um... I don't know, Jonathan's <laughs> I was with him today. I was with him today, actually. I think he's, uh, he's probably looking fitter than he's ever looked, which is... Uh, does look good COVID friend, ha- yeah. I think the COVID helped him more than it helped anyone, to be honest, when it comes to the break he got. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've obviously thought about it. So I'm not, I wouldn't be in that special category or anywhere to think that you can play for... I'm looking, obviously, I'm always looking at different options, especially with having the family now. I think I need to... Uh, have a look to see what I might want to get into. I was thinking about coaching, but you see so many different people, uh, coaches who would be one minute, they'd be the best thing ever. And then the next minute, uh, they're getting fired. They have family. They don't know where they're going. It's a very daunting thing. And I'm not sure if I definitely want to put my family through that. So uh, I'll have to think about what I'm really looking at. And I suppose it's interesting to hear you say that because I always think people who, like, you know, you've obviously been, you know, running the line out in a few different clubs now. And I, I think lots of people who, you know, I think lots of people who actually do that job for teams, they gain a great understanding of the wider kind of, um, I suppose, the, the, the strategy that teams are employing. Because as you said to yourself, yourself there, you know, you've got the backs coach saying, listen, these are the moves we're going to run this week. I want to be able to put, I want to be, you know, the, the team has to get here off whatever first phase or second phase. 
off the back of that, I need to get the ball from here. So I feel like it gives, like lots of those people end up in coaching, in my opinion. Uh, you know, your Paul O'Connell's and these guys. And I'm kind of saying, like, it's interesting to hear you saying you might do that as well. And do you think that's because you have a good understanding of not just the line out, but maybe that you have a good understanding of the wider, like how, how, like how a team is want, want to get around the pitch maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think um, since I went into yeah, like I don't know. I've I've loved rugby since I was a kid, and I think like if you ask me how Exeter played, and uh, even now I can still tell you their their shapes back then. I'm sure they've changed them quite a bit since I was there, but I still remember how they would have played four or five years ago. Like I remember all the shapes. I probably would still know most of the calls. I just I took a huge interest in rugby in terms of like in the meetings. I'd actually absorbed information they were telling us. And I used to love understanding why we were doing things and I think that was with every club I was with and with the lineouts that even gave me a greater understanding then of what the attack coach would want. The kids attack coach might say you can win that ball at the front because we're trying to get into the seam so it makes no difference. Sometimes he's like you have to get it at the back. Like yeah, like you said, you know exactly where they want the ball, you know why they want it there. And I think I'd really enjoy uh, getting into coaching if it was something that came my way. Yeah, because it can be a tough business for coaches. Like, you know, in your time in pro rugby, have you found it to be a very ruthless, cutthroat business or have you just enjoyed the ride? Or, or how do you look at it like in that, in that perspective? Um, I think you realise, um, I know it sounds bad, like, and I think some people might disagree with this comment, um, but uh, we're all pieces of meat like at the end of the day. Um, you're in and out of a place as fast as I think anyone. You're injured. Uh, you can easily be cut from a team. Um, for instance, I don't know. Like I don't like to speak, but like you see, like Connacht, they've had huge players for them in the last couple of years. Like and they had Logan and Oh McLeon. I don't know. I don't know the details, but they won the Pro 14 what three years ago. Probably Connacht's greatest ever team in rugby. Two Connacht lads, like huge games for them, huge experience in the club, and both of them. Have just been let go and i don't know why and obviously that's but that's what you mean that like everyone's replaceable and people can get replaced in a minute so i think yeah uh i, w- I wouldn't be hugely um like confident in rugby in terms of uh planning on it yeah it's that tough i suppose you mentioned earlier you know you have a young family now like is that something that's been tough over the last couple of years or you know when you're with that maybe hanging over your head you know how, how kind of fleeting it can be sometimes yeah, I think I'm, I'm um, obviously before. If you asked me two years ago what my plans were, I was going to tell you I was definitely going to coach. I love it, but obviously when your daughter comes along, you start thinking, oh, maybe it's not the best thing to drive her around the world trying to coach for 10, 12 years. You probably want to settle somewhere and have a, a resemblance of a normal life. The only thing is, though, like it's, it's it's an interesting one, Jerry, because like it's clear to me, like, and I think it would be clear to everyone that while yes, look, you know, you're in the middle of your career, but like so far, like you're clearly not motivated. Not this is don't take this the wrong way, but yeah. you know that the rugby for this isn't motivated by money for you at the moment. Like you clearly love the game. Like you've gone, you've tried, you know, and you're obviously trying to get that to that place in your career where you feel you're hitting your potential and you're achieving your potential in your rugby career, but. To me, it strikes me as, and I don't, obviously, this is the you know, first time we've properly had a good old chat. We've obviously seen each other a good few times and that, but it strikes me that you love the game. And like sometimes you just have to take a risk with those things. I, I thought the same thing about Leo Cullen. I thought the same thing about Ronald Gara heading to New Zealand. Like, you know, family, I think, I'm, 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 the reason I mention this is my own father. My own father always says, you know, he, we had, you know, I have four other siblings, and he didn't move because of that, and he always regretted not taking the risk. 
um, because the kids are kind of going to be fine wherever you're going, really. He, that was his opinion afterwards. Um, I wonder, like, would you miss an opportunity by maybe playing it safe there? Because, like, you clearly love the game. Uh, oh, listen, I'm, <laughs> I'd never rule it out, like I said. Um, it, I think um, if there was an opportunity to go into coaching smoothly, and then I think I'd obviously would take it, and I'd, I'd be lying to myself, and I would, like you said, I'd definitely regret it. I just don't think I could have the. You know that you hear people go, oh, "I'm going to go down to New Zealand on an unpaid six oh. months." I think if the transition was smooth and someone was confident in me to coach, then of course I would give it a try. Uh, but it's, it's just it's a difficult situation. I think, like you said, you people would end up regretting it, wouldn't they? You just don't want to, I suppose you don't want to be in a position where, like, I just feel like there's very few things that you really love. Like, having played the rugby career and, lo- like, absolutely loved it. Like, I come into the next part of my kind of career and I'm, I'm, I went into the, the business route. Um, and I suppose I find, like, yes, I really enjoy it. But, like, do you find the next thing that you love? You might not. You know what I mean? And I, and I suppose yeah. I always regretted. I, I don't, you wouldn't want to regret maybe, you know, passing something by that might have been right for you just because... And I get that there's mouths to feed and all that kind of stuff. I completely get that. But um, I suppose it's interesting. It's a, it's a decision make. It's a point in time where you're saying, Jesus, did I miss an opportunity there? Because this is what I love. How many things in your life do you get to do that you, you love, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Like, and I think um, I think it's, it's a difficult time to ask someone when COVID's mid-swing and rugby's, rugby's in a good time. I don't know what kind of state rugby's in at the moment, but from reading reports and seeing stuff like if we don't get crowds back in the next six to ten months. I think we might be in a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Just on the point about the coaching, Luke, did you, like, did you ever consider when you finished up going down that road? It doesn't sound like you did, but I, we've never actually talked about it. No, we haven't. No, I, you know, I, I part of me thought about doing it maybe part time uh, to see if I really loved it, like because I do like it. Uh, I, like I love watching the games. I sit down and watch again rugby, and I'm just. Like I, I'm, I'm still very passionate about it. Like I can't really watch rugby uh, in front of other people when I'm watching my friends play. Like if I'm watching Leinster, like I, I, I find it. I can't really be in the stadium, like because I'd be just giving out absolute. You know, I, I'm just passionate about it. Um, but I suppose I felt like it kind of a little bit like Jerry, maybe that maybe I hadn't got the experience. I didn't do the badges. Um, and maybe I felt I was kind of, I had to move on to the next thing. I was kind of sick of rugby in a certain sense. You know, my experiences with it maybe were not that I was bitter, but that I was just was a bit sick of it. I was, you know, I spent, you know, a 10 year career, I spent five years kind of, you know, and that's probably being, um, you know, uh, I would say, uh, I'd say it was probably more than five years really when I think about it, training basically to get back from an injury. So I was kind of done with it at that point and that probably affected maybe my thinking as to, as to what I would do. But maybe the risk factor, as Jerry said, I felt it was high. I, I feel the exact, I, I completely understand what Jerry's saying in that like you see these really good coaches, like really, really good coaches and they're just a victim of circumstance where, you know, teams going through a bad patch, they inherit a group of players where, you know, you look at say Matt O'Connor, you know, Johnny Sexton not there. A lot of young guys who've turned out to be brilliant rugby players subsequently. Leo Cullen comes in, and of course he's done an unbelievable job. But the team is completely turned around now. They're absolute superstars. They look like they're really hard to beat. They've just had an unbeaten season. They've had a double championship year. Um, I kind of look at those things and I say, Jesus, it is such a risky career career move, and you can be the victim of circumstance. And those factors probably maybe not really consider it. They kind of 
maybe the slightly bitter sides where I was saying, oh, you know, I just had enough. I love rugby, but I've had enough. Uh, I want to move on to the next thing. And then the risk factor, it is a big one, as Jerry says, to consider. Mm. Well, maybe just to finish up then, Jerry, like as you're kind of deciding what your next move might be, like are there any goals or targets you still have that you want to achieve in the game that you like you don't want to call it a day just yet? Is there anything you still would like to go on and do? Um, I think uh, I said to my to my agent and to my family and so over the last six months, what you realise, I just want to enjoy my last couple of years of playing, uh, regardless of where it is. Um, I think if you can just get another, I don't know how long I'll set myself, but if, for, to say three years until I'm 30, you know, I just want to enjoy it. Um, I think that's a big thing for me. Um, you don't want to waste it. Like I feel this year, this since 2020, it's nearly been a waste of a year. And you might look back and think, oh, fuck, look, I only have uh, a couple of years left or three or four years, three years left. So I might as well just enjoy it. Um, if we moved again, move somewhere I'd like to see. And if we don't move again, then just enjoy wherever I am playing. Yeah, well, hopefully you do get to see that 10-year milestone in a couple of years' time. I know I gave it to you earlier, but uh, if, if, if all's going well, you, you'll get there. You'll get there soon enough. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. No, thank you guys very much. It was a great chat. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the weekend's action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.